As we always do, we will begin with the reading of God's word. Listen to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 says this. This is uh, King David, the psalmist. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises will be always on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. Please stand with us as we sing hymn number three. Hymn number three, Holy, Holy, Holy. Welcome again to the Patch, Humble Patch Chapel here in Stuttgart, Germany. If this is your first time here, then we want to say welcome. Uh, from, we believe that we serve a God who, who, is, who has open arms and who's loving and who's kind. And from the moment you walked in here, this is our goal, that you experience God's presence here. We do call this the traditional Christian uh, service, but we also recognize that in the military, we often move a lot, and this, this congregation is composed of people from various traditions, and we respect everybody's tradition. Um, but one, one goal we have here is that, that you get to meet the Lord here today, and that you experience community uh, in, in Christ. And really, we've been working over, over the past year to just build a community where we get to know one another. And we get to grow along with one another. We get to um, share burdens with one another and share shares our highs and our lows and really um, become known. So my, one, one of my first announcements I'd like to make is uh, a lot of you have been asking about these books. And um, asking you shall receive. We have uh, three more of the big work uh, big books, and then three more of the small workbooks for this book. We did a series on the excellence of Jesus. One of the sermons in that series was Jesus, the bondage breaker. Jesus, the Savior who sets us free from the things that we so desperately want to get set free from. So we have uh, a, a few of these books. If, if you felt like this is for you, then come get it, and then we can, we can talk afterwards at a time where we can sit down and do this workbook together. Okay, very life-changing book. Personally, it changed my life more than any other book other than the Holy Bible. Okay, if you would open your bulletins, please. Uh, we hand out the bulletins for several reasons. One, we want to let you know what's going on in the life of our community. It's not just Patch Chapel, but it is uh, uh, Chapel at Robinson. We have a chapel at, at Panzer. And there's a lot of things going on throughout the week within the church body. And one of the things I'm a part of is a men's group at Kelly. We meet at, at 6.30 on Thursday morning. And there's another group that meets here at Patch Wednesdays. And then uh, the ladies for uh, P-Walk, they have a robust, um, a robust program. And if anybody, any of you ladies attend the, uh, the P-Walk retreat this weekend, raise your hand, yes. Anybody want to share about that really quick? How awesome it was? I just saw videos and pictures. 
It was great. It was awesome. You had to be there. When's the next one? Uh, oh, well, they're working on one for next April. Yes. Maybe, maybe a little more in the fall. Yes. yes. So not, not too far right here at the, at the Schwabian. And, um, you know, ladies from all different walks of life and faiths are getting together to worship Jesus. That's, that's a win. That's a win. Um, afterwards, the, the same ladies, some of the same ladies gather together right here for a time of prayer, praying for each other, and then at the same time, we're, um, half of us split over there, and then we fellowship with, with food, because oftentimes Jesus fed you spiritually, but he also fed you physically, so we want to model that same, same thing. We have something for everybody, for every age. Uh, we, we, we love worshiping side by side here. That's why our children are in here with us. That's why this is a service where you, you might hear noise from time to time from, from children in the congregation, which is music to our ears, like a baby crying in the congregation is music to our ears. So if you have a baby, don't worry about that. Uh, don't worry about that noise. We love it. It's a sign of growth. Uh, as, as I do every week, my good friend here, Grady, leads Club Beyond. I believe it's the fastest growing Club Beyond in Europe. Right, Grady? Just blessed. Blessed. Every Thursday, the children get out of school early, and they all shuttle over to this room right here for some wonderful fellowship, fun and games, and then they hear a Christ-centered message. There's nothing more important for our kids to hear than that. Nothing. Nothing. I sat down and watched TV with my, with my daughter this week, and we were just watching some of the most popular shows, and what I noticed was that these shows are, are inserting different things that are opposed to the Bible. And had I not just sat down and watched it, I, I would have totally missed that. So, so Club Beyond, the... The, uh, we, I, let's just call it a resurrection of Club Beyond because it, it kind of died during, during 2020. But uh, it, is, it is in full effect. If uh, you want to send your, your middle schoolers and high schoolers to that, it is, it's a blessing. Okay, uh, other things we have on, I would just like you to, to take a look at this and see what, pray about it. Maybe this is a season for you. Maybe this is a season where you say, I want to take my faith deeper. I had a season of sitting on the bench, and now I want to get involved. We have a list. It's two pages, of long, two pages long of things that you could do to help us out here in the chapel. Things, I mean, the stuff that just doesn't happen by itself. It, it doesn't set up itself. The lights don't turn on. There's, there's things that happen all day to make this chapel um, happen. Somebody picks up the food. Somebody's actually vacuuming here after. So if, you, if, if servanthood is your, is your thing, you're looking for a way in this season to serve, uh, please let us know. We will gainfully employ you with uh, plenty of opportunities. And then look at here. If, if, if going deeper in your faith and this duty station is for you, we have something for you. Okay? Okay, with that, uh, we're going to transition into the, the worship of God through the hearing of his word. I'm going to call on our scripture reader to read. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then uh, before that, please stand with us as we sing our next hymn. Come behold the wondrous mystery.
The Old Testament scripture comes from Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, which can be found on page 144 in your pew Bibles. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will, will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them, and if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. The New Testament scripture comes from 1 Peter 2, 1 through 12, which can be found on page 857 in your pew Bible. 1 Peter 2, 1-12 So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Sion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Behold, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that, they, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and, and glorify God on the day of visitation. This was the word of the Lord. 
Praise be to God. Thanks, Josh. I'm going to call our ushers up for our offering. Please be seated. Before we we worship in the time of uh, hearing the teaching of God's Word, we we reserve a time for prayer. Um, I like this to be a time where where you just confess whatever you need to to God to, to get back in fellowship with Him. I, you know, having come out of the Easter Passion Week, uh, probably my f- one of my favorite days of that week is Monday, Thursday. Monday meaning the, the commandment that Jesus gave to go and do the same. But the picture was that Jesus sat his disciples down and he gave them a new picture that would forever rock their world, something that was completely new. And it was, the picture was this. He walked around and Jesus took all his clothes off and then he wrapped himself in a, in a towel and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And going one by one, he came to Peter and Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. What are you doing? And Jesus was teaching him a, a practice, a principle for, for the age to come. And it was this. A man who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. You have had a bath. All of you are clean except for one. And the picture was this. They all had been believers in Jesus Christ, bathed. I like to say once bathed, always bathed. But Jesus said the same thing. Once you've had a bath, you only need to wash your feet. And this is how fast your feet get dirty. In the ancient world, they don't have shoes like we, we do. Their shoes were open-toed sandals. So how fast, how fast would it take to get your toes dirty? All you would have to do is walk outside and instantly. And how beautiful is that picture that we would get dirty at the rate at which we walk around. But Jesus offers cleansing if we would just sit down and say, yeah, my feet are dirty. Yeah, Jesus, I stepped in the same stuff again. And he would go, I already knew that. That's fine. So I'm going to teach you a new way to walk around. You get dirty, you see your feet are dirty, and you say, Jesus, I need cleansing again. Jesus, I need that same cleansing again. And he is faithful and just every single time to not judge to not shame and say, I told you so. I told you not to step in that. He just says, I'll, I'll wash you. So let's do that right now. Uh, with this whole theme on prayer, too, uh, I had forgot to mention we have a, a, a big day coming up for the National Day of Prayer. If you would save this flyer and put it on your, your refrigerator. It's a day where our very own Kelly Porter will be speaking. Uh, these things are, are wonderful. And this, there's free breakfast. So if you like free breakfast and prayer, this is the place for you. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 4th. It's coming up pretty soon. Let us pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, for the sunshine and those birds that are singing your praises right now. Lord, the reality is that we have walked around, I have walked around, and I've, once again, my feet have got dirty. 
And so we set aside this time right now to admit, to confess, to homo legeo, the things we've said, thought, done, or haven't done. And we say, thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your renewal. Lord, as we have confessed uh, the things that would make our feet dirty, we listen with renewed hearts and minds of the teaching of your word in the great book of Ephesians. So we dedicate this time to worship you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's always nice to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us together in worship. <clears throat> Again, my name's Eric. I'm Eric Bryan. Actually, I have three first names. It's James Eric Bryan, but <laughs> call me Eric always. I always enjoy, uh, enjoy this time of getting to know you. Um, a couple weeks ago when we had the, <clears throat> the Easter service and after we had the Easter lunch, I found myself having a conversation with one of the uh, young men after the service. He's about 10 years old. And he said very insightfully, he said, you know, Eric, Pastor Brian, he said, how come all the older kids get to have all the fun events? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And um, I hear that. I really do. I think of the high school kids, you know, thinking about a service project to, or I think it's just a a camp they're doing in Scotland, um, but the younger kids sometimes get left out. And for this younger man and all of the kids here, I do want to say this. I know some of you are moving, but if you're going to be around here the first week of August, the last week of July, I want this year's Vacation Bible School to be the best that Stukar has ever seen. I really mean that. I want it to be biblical, and I want it to be about Jesus. It's going to be about Jesus, the prophet, the priest, and the king. But I also want it to be super fun and creative and inspiring. Um, I've talked with some of our friends and our leaders at Robinson and over at Panzer at the gospel service too. And they're all in agreement. We're all in agreement. What Stuttgart needs is we need to be together. We need to be one. And so the first week of August, we are going to transform this chapel, this chapel right here, into a great, fun educational place for our kids to learn kids um, kindergarten through fifth grade, but I need your help. I need someone to build a wildly crazy fun maze of boxes for our kids. That's one idea. I need someone to decorate some of these rooms we have to transport kids back into like they're in the first century. A lot of fun, different things like that. In summer, um, we need to get wet, right? So there's got to be some water wars in there somewhere. Um, But I'd also like to do something for the families, not just the kids. Three days in August is great, but something to inspire them through the rest of the year, something that keeps them spiritually connected. So here's how I can use your help, all of you, every man, every woman, every child, every older child that's here today, I need your help to this. Would you tell me something that you have done, something that you have seen Something that works 
that has helped you and your family stay connected to each other and connected to the Lord. You know, it's kind of like those old-fashioned recipe books where people give good ideas and put them together, but this is not about (laughs) physical food. This is spiritual food. And I want to give Stuttgart's family something that they will be inspired by, not just for three days, but something they can take with them years to come. So, all of you, everyone, I need your help. Here's the question again. Let me say to you one more time. What is something that has helped you and your family stay connected to each other and the Lord Jesus? What have you seen? What works for you? If you could write me a little email, my email's on the back of the bulletin, send me some thoughts. Take the next two and three weeks, okay? I'd like to put it together by Memorial Day, by the end of May, and prep it and then give it to our families in the summertime. So, I thank you, Advance, for your help. So, welcome to our second week in our newest sermon series on the book of Ephesians. Um, Last week, if you're here, we took a little time to talk about the direction we're headed. Um, In April, this month, April, and into May, we're going to speak through Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. In June and July, we'll head into chapters 3 and 4, chapters 5 and 6 in July and August. And then again, I, I want to say this just a couple times. At the end of August, I would like to give you a service where you can speak. You are smart people. You learn things. And I'd like to have, at least to give you an opportunity to speak for three or four minutes, not long, about something that you learned from this marvelous book. It kind of, it's kind of like a testimony Sunday, but don't see it that way. Think of it as you having a chance to give voice, to encourage us about something you've learned. Some of the themes of the book of Ephesians, we mentioned last week, but one of them is very important, that we are not individuals in Christ. Say it again. We are not just individuals in Christ. We are a community in Christ. And you are, and I, we are going to feel and we're going to be more alive when we live as a community in Christ. And like we mentioned last week too, our students, you're leaving soon. There are at least five high school seniors that are graduating and we would love to take advantage of this next six weeks before you move to be intentional about speaking about your identity in Christ. Who are you? What is your purpose? To whom do you belong? Got to get this straight before we head off to college. And it's also a good reminder for all of you who are younger students too. Identity, who you are, it's so important. And we learn that in this wonderful book of Ephesians. Um, Last week we talked about where Ephesians was in our Bible, but let me just show you one more thing. You have your Bible, right? The first five books of the Bible and the next six books, the next books after that are the history and the law. They teach us why we need a Savior. The law does not fix our hearts. These Old Testament stories, they're good stories, but they remind us that no human being, no, none of them, none of them can save us. Not even the great kings of Israel Not even the prophets, they can't. In the middle of the Bible, we have this book called Wisdom Literature and Songs and Poetry of the Bible, and they express what God's people have have done through all time. We need help. (laughs) We need Savior. Life is hard. The Old Testament prophets, 
they warn us and they remind us that when we're not connected to the Lord, our Savior, our, our, our cities, our society does not function well, does not go well for us. And the Lord rightfully disciplines us to get us back in line. And then we move to the other part of the Bible you know so well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're, they're eyewitnesses that Jesus, that God, God has come to save us personally. The book of Acts, you call it the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. What happens after the resurrection? History book, fascinating stories. But then in the last part, this last third of the Bible, we have these letters. Ephesians is one of them. And this is how God practically tells us, the church, the chapel, how to live out what Jesus has said and what he's meant. So, do you remember how to find Ephesians? Remember that acronym we talked about last week? General Electric Power Company, right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, just to tell you, remind you where it is in the Bible. So, let's join God in his word right now. Join me in the book of Ephesians, please. Last week, um, we also spent some time learning about the man who wrote this letter. His Hebrew name was Saul, right? His Latin name, because he wanted to relate to a Roman audience, was Paul. And he was once, as you know, a very angry, a very arrogant, and a rude man. And for Paul's own words, he was an opponent of Jesus. But Paul became a changed man. And he was changed, as we read last week, not by rules. Paul wasn't changed by religion. He was not even changed by his own power and intellect. He was changed by God's grace. And as Paul wrote himself, he said, I experienced the perfect patience of Jesus. In Paul's own writings, remember this as a lifelong principle. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So as you're reading this letter of Ephesians, it is evidence and it is proof that people change. The Apostle Paul, from extreme arrogance to a person that is full of praise and kindness, a changed man. Last week, we also showed you some pictures of this location we're writing to. This is modern-day Ephesus. I encourage you sometime in your life to go visit it. It's a simple flight from Frankfurt and to Izmir or to Istanbul. Get on a tour. You can visit Ephesus. It's such a wonderful city. And reminder, Ephesus was once a very large city, like Stuttgart. It was on the coast of Turkey. And but what was most famous for this city, what drew the crowds to Ephesus, was this massive temple. A massive temple to Artemis. Well, it's not changing. <laughs> there we go. Okay, well, that's okay. You can imagine your mind, right? Flip that slide for me in the back. Yeah, thank you very much. So you've got to imagine this temple of Artemis 
that was once one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So when Paul and the early Christians visited Ephesus and they proved to them that this temple was just a piece of marble, it proved to them that their culture identity needed to be shaken up. Um, If you go and visit Ephesus, um, there's an amphitheater there. And for two hours, they shouted back at Paul, Great is Artemis of Ephesians. Great is the Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours, they shook up Paul because they had, he, had, he had poked at their, Christian, their, their cultural identity at the time. The point I want you to remember from this is this, especially to our students who are graduating this coming, coming summer. Your identity runs deep. And every culture has an identity, like Ephesus with this temple to Artemis. And I wish someone had spoken to me when I was in high school and said that your identity and your self-worth, it's not based on your image, on what sports you can do, what you're doing next, what college you're applying to. Trust an older guy like me who is now in my 50s, who's been where you were once and wanted my identity to be something more than it was. Your identity in Christ will give you the most contentment and it will give you the most pleasure. It will give you the strength. It will give you life and colorful life that you have not seen before. So with that thought, let's read the first beginning lines of the first chapter of Ephesians. Before I read it, I'd just like you to look on the page at the first chapter of Ephesians, and it breaks down into two different parts that you should, we should just see as we go down. The first part, verses 1 through 14, are words of praise. And then if you look through verses 15, through the end of the chapter, verse 23, a prayer. Praise, and then prayer. Praise and prayer, it, um, it is what separates us from the animal kingdom. Our ability to give words and language to praise and prayer, it makes us uniquely human. And both of these is what Paul models to us in the first chapter of Ephesians. Um, you just, it's a good reminder that, you know, we think that religious people are the only ones that worship. The religious people are the only ones that praise, but that's not true. Everyone gives worth to something, to someone. Even the atheist worships. It's, uh, so choose wisely who you decide to worship. This is Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption 
to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. It's a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things upon the earth. It's hard to see it in our English translation here, but in the Greek, this is all one sentence. Just one massively long sentence. I actually counted it up in the Greek version. It's 130 continuous words. And why Paul may not teach us how to write succinctly, he does teach us how to pray. And he does teach us how to praise. And maybe that's the one takeaway I would like you to remember from today is this. I think that what we need as a modern church and a modern culture is to regain an identity of praise. You hear praise in the songs we've sang of old. Songs that are written 300 years, 200 years ago. We're very good at praise, but in some cases, pay attention and listen to how we've become a human, man-cultured, person-cultured society. So one of the things that Paul teaches today is our identity in praise. Each word in Ephesians chapter 1, there's substance to it. You can look at it, but there's four four parts of our text today that I'd just like to call out to give us a little bit of structure for our sermon today. And the first is this. From verse 4, Paul finds his praise because God is the one who has chosen us before the foundation of the world, and he chose us to be holy and chose us to be blameless. The second reason that caused God, Paul to be a, a man of praise is that he says that God, in his love for us, has destined us for adoption. He's building family, and he loves to build family in and through us. The third is this, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The fourth is this word that just strikes me, and I'd like to learn more about it, is this word, lavish. In Christ, we have forgiveness from our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which God lavished upon us. God chose us. He adopted us, he's redeemed us, and in his personhood, he is a man, or a creator who, who lavishes us. I hope these words will inspire you today to be a man of praise, to be a woman of praise, to be a young man or woman, wherever you are in life, to find your identity in being a man or woman of praise. Okay. First, uh, first part, verses 3 and 4. God has chosen us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as he chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. If I were to ask you the question, when did you become a Christian? What would you say? I don't think it's technically wrong if you would say before the foundation of the world. Yes. You made a choice when you were 10 or 15 or 25 or 50 years old. Yes, you made a choice to be a baptized believer sometime in your life. You made a choice to come here this morning. Yes, there is a choice behind it. But God has says that there's that he, that he chose us in a way that we might not expect to his good pleasure. And it's not just a theme that Paul talks about here in Ephesians. It's all throughout Scripture. To the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. And even to this whole entire nation of Israel, Words you heard a little today in our inner reading. God has chosen you to be a people for his own treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. And if that doesn't convince you enough, there's so many verses too, but even the Lord Jesus himself who says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Transparently, there's a part of me that when I think of being chosen, it brings back memories to fourth grade, <laughs> fourth grade recess, choosing teams at kickball. There's a part of me that enjoyed being chosen and picked for a team. But as I've grown in life, and you've experienced too, there are times when we have not been picked. We have not made the team, and it seems unfair. It seems uncaring too. But sometimes when we're chosen, we're chosen for something that is not the easy job, something that's not easy. That, and God has, and, and even in life too, we were chosen for things that we might not want to do. But the reason that God has chosen us, as we heard in the scriptures today, is this you're chosen to be holy, and we are chosen to be blameless. God has not chosen us to be fun, popular, pretty Christians. That's not why he's chosen you, but he's called us to be holy and to be blameless. Holy in our speech, in the way we live ourselves, the way we talk, the way we joke, the way we sing, the way we represent our creator. Holy too and blameless in the way that we conduct ourselves, in our sexual ethic, in the way that we we are, are loyal to the people that we love the most. And if somehow, I think, if being chosen somehow strokes our ego or makes us feel like we're better than someone, I think we're missing the point. God has chosen us to be holy and blameless, certainly not better than someone else. And this is the why, the reason why God is, why Apostle Paul, I think he praises God. And what we know to be true is that we cannot, you and I cannot be holy and blameless in and through ourselves. And I don't think we would even choose ourselves to be holy and blameless. 
But in Christ, we are holy. We're given a new identity when we put on the blood of Christ over, our, over ourselves. That's how we're holy and that's how we're blameless. What God has done in Christ. A second phrase from their text that, uh, that definitely stirred Paul's mind is this from verse 5. He says, In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the kind intention of his will. And here we see a glimpse into Paul's heart. We see that God has made known to him his plan to build family. And how? Primarily through adoption. The motivation you see right there in the text, he, it was chosen in love. He predestined us for it. God sees the destination of where he's headed, and he says, I want a family adopted. It's, a, it's good for us today to think about this beautiful word, adoption. So we take someone into your family, you legally give them the full rights and privileges and inheritance of what it means to be in your family. And the privileges we have of being in God's family are just, are just enormous. We have a compassionate father. Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord, the Lord, shows compassion to those who fear him. We're looking for a compassionate father. We have that in our, in our, new, in our new inheritance. We have the privilege of being led by the Holy Spirit among this new family. And the decisions we're making after high school and into the future too, we're, we're being led by the Holy Spirit, which is a member of our family here. We have the promise of a new resurrected body. Romans chapter 8, we hear just a remarkable story of our future. Right now, we groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption as sons. As we wait for adoption, we wait for the redemption of our bodies. A new, resurrected body is the promise and the fulfillment of being an adopted family. But also there's more too. Discipline. In this adopted family, God has given us the disciplinarian that we never had and maybe didn't have in the right way growing up. Hebrews 12, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't be weary of his, his reproof, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. So we have a good disciplinarian in our family. But mostly, too, as part of a new family, as part of the adopted family, we have new brothers and we have new sisters. We're all members of a royal family that's bigger than just our American version, too. I, I know that Ryan last week went to Africa. And the songs that I heard you sing and with, your, with the Christians there too are just a reminder that the body of Christ is magnificent. All color, all different, all different nationalities around the world. This is the inheritance we have as an adopted member of a new family. Another phrase here in verse 7 that we've, that's just so good for us to see too. I'll read it for you once more. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That word, it's good for us to really know, to redeem. To redeem, it means to buy back, to reclaim something that's of worth to us. Have you considered recently how much you're worth? Just a couple years ago, the University of Indiana, if you're interested, they did a a study on how much a human being is worth. They got together the School of Medicine, they got the insurance companies together, and they say, your body is worth $45 million. <laughs> they say now it's um, what actually causes so much the expense is your bone marrow, all 200 and some bones of your body with the marrow, your DNA, they now hold the most valuable parts of your body. Your kidneys come in next to a third before taxes, $91,000 a piece. But what value can you place on the human soul? I don't think you can. But God says that this is what he thinks. He has purchased you. He has redeemed you back with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter, you were ransomed. The ransom price that God placed on you was not be bought with things like gold or silver, but you, you were purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because since your soul is eternal, it cannot be purchased with money. And so you are bought. You are of worth to the elderly here who your bodies is frailing and you don't feel like your mind and your body is of worth anymore, you are. To the youth and to the younger, the students here who hear all the time that you're, you hear the lies that you're not of worth, you're not of value, you don't matter. It's not true. Regardless of what you hear and regardless of what you feel, God's word teaches that you are exceptional worth to God the Lord Jesus Christ, his blood. One last phrase I'd like you to hear from our text, and I mentioned it earlier. It's the word lavish. <clears throat> the word lavish, I hope it'll interest you and at least challenge you, hopefully it'll impress you to want to learn what it more it means. To lavish means to be extravagant with. It means to be generously extravagant. It means to heap riches on someone, to be, to, to pile on extravagance on something or someone. In verse 7 and 8, this is what we hear from our text. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. It's good to hear again and again that the, the weight and the depth and the debt of all of the sin that we have held and continue to hold past, present, and future has been paid. Our sin, the greatness of our failures, all of our missteps, the bad decisions we have made, we have been given favor through the Lord Jesus Christ, a standing of righteousness which we did not deserve. So just consider the thought, the next time in your life when you have opportunity to be 
generous. And not just kind of generous, but extravagantly generous. The next time that you can forgive or cancel someone's debt or look the other way or do something radically kind to someone who does not deserve it. In other words, the next time you can be lavish, generous, you're doing what God has done for you. And what a privilege it is to follow in his example. So, this is the first chapter of Ephesians, at least part of it, through the verse 10. God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Why? Not to self-make ourselves feel good, but to be holy and to be blameless. A role I think we would not choose for ourselves. And he heard his heart pierced here. It's hard is to build family through adoption. And he tells you how much you are worth. Probably more than you'll ever know in your life. Our response to God through all of this. Just notice him. Acknowledge him. Appreciate him. See it from his perspective. Respond to him. Maybe, maybe turn towards him. All he really asks is that you just believe. And enjoy him. So while you have breath, because it will not always be this way, while you have the chance right now, why it's 2023, let's be a chapel known for our praise. Not just on Sunday, not just on the Lord's Day, but all day of the week. Let it be our identity to be a people of praise. So let's stand. Let's, uh, let's stand and let's practice. Let's sing together, our closing hymn together, number 517. I will sing of my Redeemer.